want to show you a scripture as we get ready to give. And I, I really want you to open your heart to this because I think it could kind of change your perspective about God and money. And it says this, for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I pray for your prosperity. And let me say this, you can pray, God, for the sake of your house, I pray for my prosperity. Let me, let me say this, the will of God is for you to prosper but he connects why we prosper, and it is for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God. Um, God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing back to his house. And when we say prosperity, that, that Bible word might make you feel uncomfortable. Put it back up one more second, because people just need to stare at that word, because you didn't know it was in the Bible. Uh, I pray for your prosperity. Some, some may say, are you a prosperity church? Well, we're not a poverty church. Because poverty's a curse. Man. Over a billion people on our planet don't have clean water. That's not God. And you know what? God wants to bless you and us. You know, we can dig a well right now in Africa for $5,000. Why don't we do it? Why doesn't someone write a check today? Because I ain't got it. Well, that's why you got to prosper. We can, we can give a village clean water for life for five grand. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take us prospering for the sake of the house of the Lord. Now, here's what this word prosperity means. Keep it up. This word prosperity, it doesn't mean bigger tires on your truck or a bigger TV. It doesn't mean a gated community. All those things are great, and I hope you have it. But here's what prosperity in the Bible, it literally in the Hebrew language means to come alongside someone and help them on their journey. And then it goes on to mean that there's this Hebrew idea that if you're carrying a burden and you're on a journey, that someone would come along with you and carry that burden with you. Help you carry the burden. This is what God will do. So maybe you're saying, Jabin, I can barely carry this burden living off 100% of my income. How am I going to tithe? Well, because you haven't invited God to help you. So I'd rather live on 90% with God prospering me, helping me carry this thing, than 100% and i got to carry this whole thing on my own. I want to encourage you to how God said at Malachi 3, test me. Try it out. Watch if I will not open the windows of heaven for you. And God says, I'll prosper you. I'll bless you so that you can be a blessing. This is the will of God for you. Let me pray for you as you prepare your gift. Obviously, you can give on uh, your envelope, cash credit. Uh, you can give uh, by check. And then, of course, online, citylightvegas.com. A lot of different ways to give, but as you prepare your gift, let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I pray for these people. I pray for my friends. For the sake of the house of the Lord, prosper them in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen, amen. We're going back to Colossians chapter 1 where we've been every week, and then we're going to go from there. Colossians chapter 1 verse 22. Yet now... God has reconciled us, he's reconciled you, he's restored you to himself through the death of Christ on, uh, in his physical body.
As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are, you are. Now, if you're a Christian, this is who you are. You're not defeated, you're not condemned, you're not unloved, you're not alone. This is who you are. You are holy and blameless and you stand before him. You stand before God without a single fault. Isn't that awesome? Because of what Jesus Christ did for you and for me on the cross, we now stand before God holy, blameless, and without a single fault. Now, we all know we have faults. We all know we got issues and God's working on us. But when we stand before Jesus, we stand before God the Father, he sees us through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So Jesus, Romans 8 tells us, is the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, he's the first son. And now God treats all his other kids the way he treats his first kid. Oh, that's good news. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, and yet the Bible tells us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we're right there too. We have complete, unhindered access to God the Father through the work of Jesus Christ. Now let me say this because um, I've been talking about, you know, especially for you who have been with us for the last few weeks. If you haven't, go on YouTube, follow City Light Vegas. Go on podcasts, follow City Light Vegas. You can get all our sermons for free. They're for you. It's a gift to you from our giving community. So the people who give, who tithe and give offerings, literally pay for the cameras and the equipment and the computers and all this, all the things that are needed for that. So we give you free sermons every week. We never charge you for them. You can't go out and buy a CD. They're free. Deal with it. It's free. Isn't that awesome? But, but I've been talking about the wrath of God was poured on Jesus and the the judgment of God and the justice of God poured on Jesus. Let me just explain something. Big point. Here it is on the screen. Jesus did not save you from the Father. He saved you for the Father. In other words, God the Father and God the Son are not playing good cop, bad cop with you. It's not that God is this big, angry, mean, old, white-haired man up in heaven and Jesus said, no, 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 I'll, I'll pay the price God isn't dealing with you. God isn't just kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's not that God is angry and mad and Jesus uh, is good and don't mess with God the Father, but Jesus is like the good guy. No, 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 no. For God so loved the world. John three sixteen. God the Father so loved the world that he sent his what? His only begotten son. This is a divine partnership. This is a divine agreement. How does it all work? Explain the Trinity. I can't. By the way, I don't want a God that I can't explain. I don't completely understand the community that is the triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All I know is that I worship one God who is three persons. How does it all work? I'm not really sure, but that's why I worship him, and that's why I don't worship me, because I can figure me out, but I can't figure him out. Come on, somebody. But all I know is this. There isn't a good God and a bad God and a, and a, good, a bad father and a good son. No, no, no. God is good. God is good all the time. And God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit chose to save you and chose to save me. So Jesus said it like this, John chapter 17, Father, I've come to reveal your name. 
I don't know if you understand what that means. In other words, they've known you as God. They've known you as creator. They've known you as Yahweh Lord. But now they're going to know you as Father. Father, I've come to reveal your name. They've been your people. They've been your servants. They've been your creation. But now they're going to be your sons and daughters. Are you grateful for that today? That we're not just the creation of God, but we're the sons and daughters of God if we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ. Can I get one amen from somebody? I'm going to preach it. So our seventh statement, the word of victory. The word of victory. Jesus said it like this, John 19. Verse 30, when he had received his drink, and we looked at that last week, Jesus said, it is finished. Now, it is finished, we have three words, but in the Greek language it was one word, and it's the word tetalistai. Jesus said tetalistai, and with that he bowed his head, another key, a key thought there, he bowed his head, gave up his spirit. He bowed his head and he gave up. His spirit. I want you to know that, that Jesus gave up his spirit. It wasn't taken from him. Rome did not kill him, and the first century religious Jews did not kill him. Jesus willingly gave up his life. No one took his spirit. No one took his life. He gave up his spirit. I want to give you three things about it is finished. Number one, Jesus said it is finished before you ever started. ha. <laughs> It's already done, friends. Jesus said it is finished before you ever started. A lot of people get uncomfortable with this idea of when I place my faith in Jesus, he forgives me of my past, present, and future sins. And you go, how can he forgive me of my future sins? They haven't happened. Yeah, but when Jesus died on the cross, you hadn't happened. But it's been done. A thought has never occurred to God. He knows everything. So your past sin is just as real to God as your future sin, and he's dealt with all of it. Because God is not in time. God is outside of time. God is alpha and omega. We live in God's creation called time, but God is outside of time. So God sees your beginning from your ending. God sees the first sin you ever committed. He sees the last sin you've ever committed. He sees the heart motive. He sees everything. And he said, it's finished. I forgive you. Oh, that's good news. God don't just forgive you for what you did last night. He forgives you for what you're going to do tonight. I ain't going to sin tonight. It's Sunday, man. Yeah, right. He knows how you're going to lose your temper in the parking lot. You're saved. Filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues in here, and then you're going to go out there and cut somebody off. And I don't forgive you, but he does. Okay, amen, let's keep. <laughs> it is finished. Jesus said to Talistai. Let me explain this word. Number one, it means paid in full, paid in full. Have you ever been at dinner with another couple or something, and you start fighting over the check? And someone finally gets their credit card to the waiter first says, I got it. Here's what they're saying, to Talistai, paid in full. Maybe you've been in Starbucks in, in the drive-thru, and they hand you your coffee, and they say, oh, no, you don't need to pay for it. The person in front of you paid for it. Paid in full to Talistai. Friend, it's been paid for. You don't have to pay for your sins because to Talistai, I got it. It's covered. It's been paid in full. Number two, it means victory secured. They say that in, in, in these times and in these days that when 
uh, the, the Greek army, when the Roman army would take over land or when they, would, when they would conquer an enemy, here's what they would do. They would begin to shout to Talistai, to Talistai, to Talistai. In other words, the battle has been won. Friend, I just want you to know, the battle's been won. It's finished. It means the end of a judgment. So like at the end of, of, a, of a, uh, a judge giving the, the courtroom, um, you know, guilty or not guilty. And he would lay down that gavel. He would say to Talistai. And by the way, when God sees you, he lays down the gavel and he says, not guilty to Talistai. <laughs> it means, another, another one is a service completed. Um, when back in this, this was still a culture of, of slaves and servants. And when a servant would come in and speak to the master. And after the servant had done all the chores of the day, he would look at the master and he would say, to Talistai. And Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, became a servant, literally became a slave, Philippians chapter 2. Why? So that he could look at the father as master and say, to Talistai. Friend, the work has been done. The work has been done. The work has been done. And the Bible said that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. When he bowed his head, this was not a bow of defeat. It was a bowing of rest. How many know that you can see someone and you just know they're discouraged and you know they're defeated? And y'all know what I'm talking about? And you, you almost don't want to go, hey, how are you doing? Because you know it's bad. <laughs> How many know there's a difference between that kind of head bow and you've had a great day, a busy day, a full day, you've got a lot accomplished, and you go put your, your head down on the pillow at night and you lay down your head, right? This, in the Greek language, denotes rest, not defeat. Now, here's why this is so cool. Man, I'm sweating today. I forgot my, my Pentecostal preacher bag. Sorry. Um... This headset was supposed to make me calmer, and I just feel more fired up because I'm moving my hands everywhere. I'm going to plank. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> she had to be here week two. Missed it. Okay. Uh, it's week seven. Um, remember what Jesus said, uh, Luke chapter 9, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And we go, see, Jesus was poor. No, he wasn't poor. Jesus was homeless. Jesus wasn't homeless. What are you talking about? Jesus had a CFO named Judas who was stealing money and no one knew it. That tells you they had a lot of money. If you got a dollar and someone steals a dollar, you're going to know it. <laughs> Jesus was not broke. When Jesus said, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay, he said, here's what he's saying. The Son of Man is not yet resting. Because right now I'm healing, right now I'm saving, right now I'm delivering, right now I'm preaching, right now I'm working. Uh, here's what he was telling that guy, you ready to go on this journey with me, friend? This is not a time to rest, this is a time to work. Because for three and a half years, Jesus, all he did was obey, 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 obey the Father. But now the work had been completed. Tetalistai, and he, for the first time, is able to rest. Faction. In the finished work of the cross. The reason he could rest is the same reason God could rest on the seventh day because it was completed. 
And now he lays down his head because the work has been completed. The price has been paid. The battle has been won. But you go, but Jabin, if the battle's been won, why am I still fighting the devil? I don't know how else to explain this. So I gotta, I'm going to just let you know. I'm from New Mexico, okay? And I'm from Belen, New Mexico. And we're hunters, we're farmers, we're gatherers. And uh, so we're not like you city folk, okay? And so growing up, we had chickens. And I don't know if you know how to kill a chicken. And if you're part of PETA or if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, so am I. <laughs> At least till dinner. <laughs> Tonight, I'm a vegan. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I, I'm not saying this is right, okay? So don't be offended. This is how we grew up. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a chicken. Man, they were running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Because the way you kill chickens, you cut their head off. But the body don't know it's dead yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Someone's like, I will never eat meat again. Okay. Uh, Genesis 3 says that the heel of Jesus crushed the head of Satan. <laughs> Satan's head's been cut off, friend. He just doesn't really know it yet. <laughs> He's on borrowed time. So he's still moving, he's still working, he's still trying. But there is coming a day when God's final judgment will be poured out on Satan and he will no longer have any authority. But it's already been taken, the head's already been cut off. And any authority that Satan has in your life, you gave it to him. So Jesus in this moment rests and now we rest. Number two, it is finished means we worship God, we are not afraid of God. It is finished means we worship God, not afraid of God. Why? Because the wrath has already been poured out. The judgment's already been poured out. The justice of God has been fully satisfied in the cross. So now I no longer need to fear God's judgment because he has no more to give. I feel that. Jesus did not say, it is 99% finished. And then he laid down his head and died. That would be super scary because that means there's still 1% out there floating around. Going to get you. He didn't say it's 99% complete. He said it's fully complete. That means that the full wrath of God has been poured out on the firstborn son so that every son and daughter after him does never have to fear that. Here we go, Hebrews 7. Let me give you some Bible. Hebrews 7, 27. Unlike the other high priest, in other words, the priestly system that was done before this, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins. So the Old Testament priest first had to offer a sacrifice for themselves. Jesus doesn't have to do that because he was perfect, sinless. And then the people. He sacrificed for their sins, our sins, your sin, my sin, once and for all, when he offered himself. Once and for all. Jesus will not ever have to go back on the cross. There will never have to be another price paid. It's already been paid. Once and for all. There's nothing else to do. Oh, this is good news. So what do I do? If it's already been done, what do I do? Here's what you do. 1 John 3.23. And this is his command, to believe. 
Now, you got to know this. In the Old Testament, 613 laws. In the Old Testament, you boil that down to the moral law, the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten. I'll give you $100 if you know all ten. No, just kidding, I won't. I don't have any money. From the Ten Commandments come the unique commandments of the prophets. So Jeremiah would give a command and Isaiah would give a command. So, so we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of commandments. Jesus would come during the time of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees and Sadducees now had hundreds of rules and regulations. Jesus would then con- condense the law down to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor. But all of that is before the cross. All of that is before it was finished. Have you ever been reading Matthew 5, 6, and 7? It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And as you're reading it, you go, oh, I'm going to hell. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, if you lust after a woman, cut your eye out. (laughs) If your hand causes you to sin... Cut it off. What? You know what the Sermon on the Mount does? It makes you go, I give up. I could never do it. And God goes, exactly. You could never do it. If you don't forgive your brother, you're going to hell. OMG. What do I do? You fall on your knees at the foot of the cross and you receive the finished work because you can't do it. The Sermon on the Mount is the law magnified so that we come to a hopeless state in ourselves and then place all our faith in Jesus Christ. But now, past the cross, other side of the resurrection, 1 John says this, 3.23. Here's the commandment. Believe. Put it back up, please. Put it. I didn't mean to say it twice. I didn't mean to ask you to do it twice. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. Now notice that. He goes back to the love walk. But Mark, he doesn't say to love God. He says to believe God. Because if you'll believe in what Jesus did for you, you'll love God. You know the reason some of you don't love your neighbor? (laughs) Because you don't believe in Jesus. Oh, you go to church. You prayed the prayer. You sing the Psalms. But you haven't placed your faith in the cross. Because the moment I believe in Jesus with all of my heart, I will love God and I will love you. The judgment has been paid for. I don't have to fear God. I remember a, a guy coming up to me one time at church. And uh, he wanted prayer, and he goes, man, I need you to pray my back, man, my back. Oh, my back, it hurts. My neck, my back. Okay, never mind. Uh, my back, uh, that's, you shouldn't be watching movies like that. So anyway, so he, uh, and everyone under 30 is like, what movie was that? Okay. Y'all need culture. So anyway, um, my back, my back, would you pray for my back? And I said, oh, I'd love to pray for your back. And right as I was about to pray for his back, he goes, yeah, man, you know, I should know better. I just know God's teaching me a lesson. I got this Messed up back, I was crawling around in the attic. I just know God's trying to get my attention. So I said, sir, with all due respect, if God put that on you, and you believe that's God's will, God forbid I try to pray it off of you. 
See, if you think sickness is God's will, why do you take medicine? If you think sickness is God's will, why do you go to the doctor to get out of God's will? Sickness is from hell. And God doesn't judge his kids with Imagine that. Goldie's having a bad attitude. And I go, I'm just going to break her ankle, just teach her a lesson. I'm going to jail. But God does that? Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. Because he, he can't because he already poured it out on Jesus. So he, he's got no more to give. Another girl said, came to me one day and said, I got the flu, and I know, I know God gave it to me. He's trying to teach me to slow down. I got to slow down. God's teaching me to slow down. With a virus, okay. Now, the fact that she said, I've got the flu, shows her own self-righteousness. It wasn't like, yeah, I got cancer. God's trying to teach me to slow down. So you deserve the flu. You don't deserve cancer, but are you all seeing this? God doesn't give the flu. He doesn't got the flu to give. <laughs> like, God's never sneezed, y'all. God's never had a virus. God's never been sick, so he can't give sickness. So what do we do, preacher? We resist everything that is from the enemy by believing in Jesus and do we get sick? Yep. Are we in a fallen world? Yep. Do bad things happen to good people? Yep. Do we receive it though? Do we, do we believe for it? Do we think God does it? Absolutely not. We, we resist it in the name of Jesus. That's why we pray. That's why we worship. That's why we rest. That's why we speak God's word. That's why we do what we do. To resist the fall and the curse. But God doesn't do it. The enemy does it. Are y'all with me? Let me give you one more. John 15, 3. You have already been pruned. How many have ever heard this one? All my church people. Yeah, just God's pruning me. Yeah, God's, God's, okay, God doesn't judge us, but he disciplines us. Hebrews 12. Disciplines those he loves. I don't know why I'm talking like this. This is how I think religious people talk. Okay, they get out of it real quick. Okay, so, so, okay, God's not judging me, but he's, but he's disciplining me. He's pruning me. Yeah, I lost my job, man. He's just pruning me. He's teaching me faith. What? No. Look, look, look. You've been pruned and purified. Let me tell you how God purifies you. By the message. You know how God disciplines his kids? Right here. That's how he does it, right here. So if you're a bad husband, God doesn't make you sick to teach you to be a better husband. <laughs> you know what he does? He, he illuminates Ephesians to you and he says, husbands, love your wife the way Christ loves the church. And you know when, when, when that word comes at you, it goes, <laughs> snip. And he prunes you. And he cuts you. And he purifies you. He doesn't do it with circumstance. He does it with his word. And then ladies, you, you keep reading. Amen. Just keep reading the next verse. And he says, wives, honor your husband. You know what I'm saying? Just kidding. That's how God does it. 
That's how God does it. If you've never been disciplined by God, it's because you don't get in the Word. But God doesn't discipline us by judging, judgment, cursing, or circumstance. You know that he actually said this in Mark 4. He said, he said when we go through trials, the devil uses it to take the seed of God's Word out of our heart. Wow. Trials are not from God. Trials are the attack of the enemy to discourage you and steal God's word from your heart. I just got to trust the Lord. I guess God's just doing, no, 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 that's the devil. Trying to uproot God's word from your heart. Oh, this is such good news. Let me tell you why this is so good. Because when you go through hell, and you will, you won't run from God, you'll run to God. Amen. Henry, thank you for that clap. I'm going to give you a hug after just for that because I know that's what you wanted. <laughs> so, yeah, do we, do we fight things? Do we go through things? Do we, do, are, are, we, are we real and do we have real issues? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, it's 1230. I got to go. But we run, we run to God, not from God. Can I get one amen from everybody? <laughs> lastly, lastly. Hurry, Jorge. Play something really fast to get. No, don't. <laughs> Jesus said, okay, here's the last one. Woo, this is going to be good. Jesus said, it is finished, not I am finished. Huh. Leave that up to just stare at it for a sec. You know what that tells me? It tells me the price has been paid, but God's not done working on me. In other words, he didn't just pay some legal bill and then leave me. He said, I ain't done with you. Look at this, look at this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. What did that just say? It said you have been made holy, past tense, right? Right? Okay. It's not a trick question, don't worry. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, you've been made holy. Now look at verse 14, EJ. For by one sacrifice... He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Wait, so what was I made holy or am I being made holy? Yes. <laughs> it's been done, it's finished, the price has been paid, but now the Holy Spirit's still working on me. It's called sanctification, it's called holiness, it's called, it's called little by little, I'm growing. Little about, don't judge me right now. I, I, ain't, I ain't all the way there yet. I'm still in the journey. This ain't the end of my book yet. Don't, don't, don't throw stones too quickly. I'm, I'm on my way. And I may not be where I want to be. I may not even be where I should be. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. And thank God I'm not where I deserve to be. I'm under construction. I'm under, I'm under the divine hand of God. I'm growing. I'm I've been made holy, but I'm being made holy, and it's happening simultaneously. So I'm not going to be discouraged by my lack of growth, because at least I'm growing. I may not be the husband I want to be, but at least I'm growing. I might not be there, there all the way with my attitude, but at least I'm growing. He's making me holy, because he made me holy. So it's it's... 
It's both and. It's, it's happening at the same time. It's this and that. So Philippians 1.6 says it like this. I am sure. You got to be sure. You got to be sure. You got to be sure that he who began a good work will be faithful to completion. I don't look like Jesus yet, but I'm on my way. I've been saved. I'm being saved. And one day I'll go to heaven and I will be saved. Give the Lord a big clap. I got I to gotta finish.